0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, proudly sponsored by MiniQuiz. I'm your host, Ian Turner, and my guest is Billie Jean Zeta. Before we get into it, I'd really appreciate, if you enjoy the show, to subscribe. Just head to gardenofsound.nz and hit one of the links on the front page. Alright, Billie Jean. She's been performing in and around Ototahi for years, including a decade with the Billie Jean Project and in freestyle house bands, She's an ARA graduate, she teaches lyric writing and she's doing a bloody fine job of showcasing Māori women in music. But what does Billie Jean overcome in a music industry that seems to be more about image than what you have to say? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Billie Jean Zeta on Plains FM 96.9. Billie Jean, can you tell me about uh, the first time you remember hearing music or understanding that there was such a thing as music?
0: I think it was my aunties um, and my cousins singing together um, while doing the dishes, and mainly church stuff, actually, and old songs like The Drifters, um, The High Marks, um, Prince Tuiteka, that kind of thing. Yeah, but mainly church music.
1: So family church, a bit of a old school kind of Motown feel. But th- those other groups, pre Prince Two Itega, they yep. Drifters yep. were were American, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that immediately inspire you to want to make music or do music? Did it give you a vibe, a bit of a, a bit of a feel for? Yeah, this is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I was always just naturally drawn to it. Yeah. Um, and I did have a friend. We lived in a small valley um, called Blacks Point, and her mother was a music teacher. I think it was called the Yamaha Method.
1: Okay, Yamaha Suzuki. Suzuki Method. I know, I know, it's (laughs) all good. I
0: was thinking Yamaha doesn't sound right. Thank you.
1: It was either that or Kawai, but um,
0: (laughs) they were just they just had music constantly going and. Because it's not about – it's not focused on reading music, is it? It's more about listening. So they would constant music going and they were constantly playing, so mainly piano and um, violin. Yes. And I never actually had lessons, but I would imitate it on the piano, what I heard being played. It was relatively way off, but you could tell that it was um, close. Mm. (laughs) So I kind of started to imitate what they were. Yeah listening to and doing as well, and the same with my family, yeah.
1: So what did you have at home in terms of instruments? Was there, there was a piano or a violin or guitar?
0: Later on. So there was a guitar at the beginning. My mum played um, the guitar in church for a bit. Yeah. Um, And then there was a piano later on, which I started to play. Um, I don't really know. It seemed like a natural progression, I guess, because a small country town church and I was like the song leader, I think, by 12.
1: What sort of flavor of church are we talking?
0: Quite fundamentalist. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I think in that, um, it's like the the hand that feeds you also takes it away. So uh, I guess the church was my first audience yep. in a way. Um, and it definitely, I started writing really, really early on, like about the same time, about 12, I was starting to write my own songs. And once again, just really naturally okay. happening. But I was also stopped from listening to the radio or, you know, what was considered secular music, but I found it.
1: <laughs> okay. So the stuff at church, mainly hymn-based kind of things, we weren't sort of into that um, sort of new wave of, you know, the, the Michael W. Smiths of this world and, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it, there was new wave stuff. I mean, there was definitely hymns, yeah. but there was also like Hillsong. Yes. And, um, okay. Ron Canoli. Yes, yep. yep um, all yeah, of yeah. those kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Which heavily influenced me. Okay. Especially Ron Canoli. Like, yeah. That was, you know, whose report will you
2: believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: When was the first time that you were able to, whether it was secretively or uh, when you were grown up a bit more, when were you able to listen to secular music?
0: Um, I think it was around anyway, just through cousins and. Um, and friends, and, I mean, the world is the world, and I have, like, a, a big extended family, so <clears throat> some of my family were listening to country. Yep. Some of my family were listening to Motown. Yeah. And as the years went by, hip-hop was a massive influence, Um, kind of glam rock era. Yeah. Didn't pass me by either. Okay. But um, that hip-hop era of 90s hip-hop okay. was, and G-Funk. Yeah. Really, really caught me, as well as um, Prince and um, R&B as it started to kind of become more, I guess, mainstream. And and it was, you know, we didn't have, I didn't have access to the internet. So it was things like Mariah Carey, Boys Boys to to Men. I knew you were going
1: to say that. The era. Era. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they were huge influences. And I I started to think that I wasn't going to actually do music much because I couldn't sing like... More like I couldn't sing that type yeah. of R and B. Yeah, yeah. So G, that's where the G funk came in.
1: Okay. Yeah. So finding your space, finding your voice. What What is your music? How would you describe the music you make?
0: I think it's quite rhythm based. Okay. And so the melodic movements are around rhythms. I suppose. Yeah. It's It's um soul in yeah. A way Yeah. With a little bit of Folky stuff as well, <laughs> yeah.
1: But a soul folk, okay.
0: With uh, with the hip hop beats, yeah, yeah. So it's
1: so there's a lot going on.
0: Kind of like there isn't. Um, it, it's very stripped back generally. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so um, G funk, uh, early R and B, um, somewhat sanitized in that respect. Yeah. What's gonna you know what's gonna go well on the top forty? Uh, who else would you sort of call uh, some of your influences musically?
0: I think at that I think what, by the time hip hop and that came around I guess moving on from that um, that was where I spo- I remember the moment that I first heard Erika Badu yeah. because she was the first person I heard that was doing something that was similar to G-funk but it was more jazzy I suppose yeah. and it sh- she she was doing melodic hooks that were really about her own style, not about vibrato or um, trills mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. ballads mm-hmm. or any of the things that I'd kind of been listening to. Okay. Yeah, so I think that was a real moment that I was like, oh my God, what the heck is this? And it made me think I can do this myself.
1: Have you faced difficulty in doing your thing, people putting up barriers?
0: I think most of the barriers are from myself, to be honest. Yeah, and I think I'm still finding my sound to this day. I think it's still evolving. Cool. And I think it probably always will. Um, But it is hard to, I think, be different to what people expect. Yeah. Um, And I think there's – in any kind of scene or genre that you go into, they know what they want to expect. They know what they want to see. Yes, yep. Um, And because it's so much about imagery – you know if you look a certain way then then then, if anything, sometimes it's surprise, and sometimes the audiences don't know quite what to do with themselves.
1: <laughs> you mentioned Erica Badu um can we hear a track uh favorite track of hers from you
0: yeah, yeah, um telephone um that was a big influence impl- there's, there's been a few of hers, I think the first album I heard of hers was Baduism, mm-hmm. but um but I think Mama's Gun was a real – when it came out as an album. And back then I was still listening to albums. Yes. Yeah, the, it was the album, album era. Albums, a whole album. From beginning to end. Yes. An experience. Yes, and yeah. you'd put the CD on. Yep. And the CD would play while you went about your life. Yep. And, you know, you'd get the first few hits, but then you'd get go deeper and it was just a real piece of work and yeah. focus on putting time into listening to the whole album Yep. and to that person's work. Yep. And it's, it's a shame because it means that albums aren't given the amount of work a lot of the time that they were given.
1: And also for an audiophile out there, probably listening to a decent quality uh, copy of it. Because, yeah.
0: you know, you might have a little cheap Yui boom and that's kind of it. Yep. And, or a car stereo. Yep. And half the time, half of the mix is lost.
1: Anyway, let's play some music. Uh, this is Telephone from Erica Badu. No. This is the Garden of Sound interview with, I was about to say Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> this is the Garden of Sound interview with Billie Jean Zeta on Planes FM 96.9. Um, what was the first gig of note, something that you left feeling, wow?
0: I really enjoyed D'Angelo. That was probably maybe six years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. Where was that? It was Wellington. Okay.
1: Um,
0: and it- I guess that was because it was a lifetime sort of dream. Yeah. Um, and I used to love going to catch a fire. They used to come through okay. every year. Yep. Um, to Christchurch on my birthday. Yep. And I think it was a I just enjoyed I enjoyed their lyrics because they sung about things like looking after the baby and you know, just, just the everyday yep. life stuff that I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The first gig I went to was at the Jet Set Lounge, and I think it was 10 bucks to get in. Okay. Um, and everyone was singing. The whole crowd was singing, and it was you just you, it was kind of like going to a party. You, you knew everyone, and you knew the songs and you knew what they were singing about. It was, um, it was really cool. I don't think uh, that was happening because of what was going on at that time. I don't think there's anything like that now, mm. yeah.
1: In terms of venue or in Venues terms of vibe and or feel?
0: probably vibe and feel, yeah. Okay.
1: How have you managed to um, marry up family and music career? What's been the sort of the tough stuff?
0: Well, I haven't really built much of a career. That's probably what it is. I put most of my time into uh, my children. Yeah. <clears throat> and I studied at jazz school um, full time um, with three children. And wow. I think it just meant that... I went home at three o'clock um, and everyone else sort of stayed on and jammed and hung out. Um, so what it meant for me is it was a very short day. <laughs> I didn't probably get out of it as much in terms of technique as much as some people did. I guess I've yeah put my kids first before the career and just kind of chilled with it. Who were your
1: contemporaries at the time? Anyone of note sort of went through in your your era?
0: I think um, Chris Withy, yep. we're working on recordings at the moment together, which has been a nice friendship to have. Um, yeah. I think some of the people that I met at that time are maybe the most important thing I got out of going there, in a way. Yeah. Um,
1: so, was the contacts? Was the Was the, contacts, was the friends the, we made along the way. Yes, Okay.
0: yes, which provide the opportunities, yep. the inspirations, yep. the relationships that feed the, the creative stuff
1: going all the way back post church at least when was your first public performance outside of church let's say in front of a group or a crowd or something like that
0: I had been writing for years I think I would I think I might have been about 20 yeah maybe or, you know I had a child yeah and um, I think through the church I I knew um, Jason Otenim he used to live here as a drummer um, and he was, uh, that's how I met Zion Tamamiti, because mm-hmm. he was a bass player, and he was just a young fella. He was about 17 then coming through. I don't actually remember, but somehow I ended up playing with them, um, and we just started sort of jamming some of my songs, um, originals, and it was the scene when the ducks, the old ducks at the yeah. art centre was happening, Yep. so there was opportunity for emerging artists to yep. jump up. Yep. Uh, Lady Six was about to take off to Auckland at that yep. time. Um, Sheila Rock was happening uh, the charmed one a little bit sort of around that scene too there was um Pacific Underground yep. and Brothers in Harmony Jason Hudonui um, and Bernie all of those people were really influencing me at the time because yeah. there was such a scene yep. and there was so many people that were young particularly you know, like brown people yep. singing and doing yep. music and yep. there was spaces to play like yep. So I think my first gig was at the Ducks yeah. um, with Lady Six. Cool. And then, then I started sort of playing at the Jet Set Lounge, yep. things like that, with similar vibe, all different people, and there was lots of things going on. It yeah. was it was great. It was yeah. what sort of kicked it off, and we we sort of put together a wee band called Eclectic. Okay. Yeah, and Fossa. That was the other that was the other band that was sort of around at that time.
1: From those days, at least, to you performing now. Mm-hmm. How much is your sort of on stage show? Your vibe, what you do? How much has that changed?
0: Heaps. I um, really struggled with being in front of people. Yeah. Um, really struggled with just just that whole thing. It, the writing and the creating has always been the funnest part for me. Yep. The bit that I love the most. Yep. And then after the song is written, sometimes I don't know what to do. I can't. Sometimes don't know what how to, how it sounds. Anymore yeah. if I like it anymore. Yeah. But what happens is those songs float around as ghosts. Yeah. Until they see the light of day half the time too. Okay. And
1: how so, how does that yeah. happen? Is there someone that comes along that says, Come on, get it out there or is it just something inside you that goes, Uh, okay, f- gotta gotta do it?
0: Yeah, I think it's just something they say that your gifts always call you A eh? and I think that I've just always had that nag. Yeah. Yeah, and then I recently, in the last like two years, maybe three, I've realised, like, duh, that music is a necessity. Like, I have to, have to do it to survive. Yep. So it doesn't really matter to me anymore if it's performed, if it's heard, what happens. I mm. just need to be still doing it somehow. Yeah. Preferably, and with collabs and. Yep. And different projects, so that. Just for my own survival, I don't, I don't. I think I'd end up going a bit nutty otherwise.
1: And I imagine you continuing to grow as an artist, taking those influences on.
0: Yes, yes, that's right. And that's how what how I've developed my performance. And I had some good mentors at jazz school. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think of her name, uh, Mitchell.
1: Oh, um, uh, Lauren.
0: Lauren Mitchell. Thank you. I keep. I couldn't get Joni out of my mind. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, she was she was a though. very uh, yeah. <laughs> she was very influential. Yeah. Um in terms of my performance um and how I delivered um vocally. Yeah. She was really a great teacher. Yeah. And I think as the years have gone by, I have shed more and more expectation on myself about what I'm supposed to be doing on stage and I just have become far more well, you know, this is me I'm doing it. Yeah, I think we're expected sometimes to say certain things on stage, be a certain way, and I find the the less genuine it is, the less powerful it is. So you're better to sometimes say nothing if that's what you're inclined to do. So I sort of I guess I have more confidence to do whatever the heck I want, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's time for some music. We've got a favourite track or at the moment, a track that we really like or have liked a while.
0: Um, I like so many tracks um, that it's impossible, but um, I'm going to play this track because certain moments in my life, um, I always come back to this track and Māori Woman in Music, I'm, I'm into it.
1: Okay, so this is Maisie Rika yeah. and Tangaroa Fakamotai, is that right?
0: Yeah, Tangaroa Fakamotai. yeah.
3: i
1: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Billy Jean Zeta on Planes FM 96.9. Um, awesome show I'm having uh, with you. This is super cool. Happiness. It's an important thing and it's also one of your tracks and this is what we're going to be talking about right now. Tell me about happiness. Tell me about the creation.
0: Um, this was a good one because um, it actually sort of dropped out of the sky, which is barely ever happens. Yeah. So... And it happened without any instrumentation or anything. It just sort of like, I got the tune, I got the words, and it just dropped out of the sky, which is very rare for me.
1: Just tell me quickly, you say that is very rare. What is the normal creation, what normal way of creating song for you? Words Um, first, music first?
0: Usually music. Yep. Usually it's a bass line or a beat. Okay. Well, the bass line is more important.
4: Yeah. but,
0: But yeah, beat with it's great too. Um, that's the main thing I drive off. Yeah. Um, and then I, I get melodic hooks. Okay. Generally. And yep. yeah, the words usually later, although I always write. I always write regardless. It's just they're not always a song. Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes it's poetry. Sometimes it's a story. Sometimes I'm just, I just write a lot. And I've got millions of notebooks all yeah. in the house. Yeah.
1: Do you find yourself and I don't imagine you do, but I'm gonna ask the question anyway, uh, conforming to gotta be three minutes. It's got to be verse, chorus verse chorus bridge, couple of choruses.
0: No, but there is always a type of conforming um which I'm trying to shed mm. um still, mm-hmm. which is the expectation of other people okay um, and what might. Sometimes writing with listeners in mind yep. can creep in without me knowing, so, ah, yeah.
1: Okay. Happiness, the actual song and the recording thereof, where mm-hmm. was this recorded?
0: Uh, this was a home studio. Yep. Um, it was recorded by a friend um, of ours called Lucas, so it's definitely got the home studio vibe about it. Yeah. Um, and that was because of, you know, money, opportunity, all of that sort of stuff, and yeah we were really um, fortunate to have a friend that had some expertise and was willing to yeah. you know, record our stuff. Yeah. Um,
1: Who's playing on yeah. it?
0: Um, the keys player is Sita Um He's one of my favourite local musicians. Yeah, bass player and mm-hmm. keys player, yeah. yeah. It's interesting yeah.
1: how the keys and the bass tend to lend themselves together. Quite mm, it is funny. Quite diverse and and useful those characters
0: yeah more so than like the bass and the guitar let's say yeah yeah
1: what's your favorite part of the track
0: harmonies maybe yeah i guess it's just its own little piece
1: okay yeah cool let's listen this is Billie jean zeta happiness
0: interesting, too, how, like I said, how stripped back, I think the stuff I'm doing now is a lot more, I just think I knew more about what was available now. Yeah. I yeah. Kno- know more now about what's available when to do. When was this recorded? Four years ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah, five years ago, maybe.
1: And you said hmm. earlier, you reckon that's, was it the last two, three years that things have? Yeah, there's definitely uh,
0: been a shift for me creatively.
1: Awesome, yeah. okay. I'm trying to think what's changed being able to, wha, yeah,
0: definitely. The kids have grown up, and yeah. what am I doing? And just being quite confronted, I guess. Yeah. By what's, what's happening? Yeah. With my creative stuff, once I started to get up to forty, it was like it's kind of over. And then when I read this, the APRA statistics, and they said, yeah, as woman gets just less and, less and less and less satisfaction out of their music from about twenty eight onwards. Why is a woman's voice, after she's had her children or when she's in like that mid-kind of life, why is her voice suddenly not important? Bizarre. Because <laughs> like, of oh,
1: who's running the music industry?
0: Well, It's all about how you look. It's like going to a pub and you see a band full of old people that are a wee bit tired. You'd probably rather see some hip young ones <laughs> with something fresh to say. I think the more... People we have in those areas um, doing music that's a little bit off what we're you know the beaten path by demographics that we're not used to seeing, singing about things that we're not used to hear. The more that of true diversity that we have, the more opportunity we have for empathy, and um, I guess the happier we are going to be anyway. And why should women have like I was looking at reading the Apple report, and men get more and more satisfied with their craft and their music, right up into their 60s. Often because they're still hanging around with their mates, enjoying creating, doing music. And women, it just gets less and less and less from 25. And I was like, why? (laughs) Why? Why can't we enjoy the same thing out of the same, we have the same amount available to us, yeah. And
1: this is not just the music industry. This is all creative endeavours. In fact, every aspect of life.
0: That's right. And um, I just, I guess I want to not even resist that, but actually not give it any power yep. over me.
1: Yep. We're going to go and pay some bills after this very important talk. Um, and we're going to come back and play mini quiz. <sighs> This is the Garden of Sound interview with Billie Jean Zeta on Planes FM 96.9.
5: There's only one way to settle this.
1: (laughs) There is another way. Visit miniquiz.com and see how your general knowledge stacks up against friends, family, and Darren down the road. It's free and a great way to get you ready for the big leagues. Visit miniquiz.com now. That's M-I-N-I-Q-W-I-Z.com and show everyone who the quiz in your neighborhood really is. miniquiz.com Start small and do them all. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Billie Jean Zeta on Plains FM 96.9, and it's time for mini-quiz. Ten questions. I know. I can tell you're really (laughs) excited about this. Ten questions. Um, If you don't know an answer, just say pass, and pass quickly. It's easy. There's ten questions. Most people don't even get all the way to the end. Billie Jean, your mini-quiz starts. Which singer released an album called Pure Heroine in 2013?
0: Oh, no. Pass.
1: The Little River Band originated in which country?
0: I don't know. Is Canada? No.
1: What's the name of the Taylor Swift single that starts out with the lyrics, I stay up too late, got nothing on my brain, that's what people say?
0: Um, I don't know. Pass. Okay.
1: Which instrument does Fleetwood Max Mick Fleetwood play? According to the Beatles, who picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been? I don't know. Which band released the hit single entitled Jump in
0: 1984? Um. entitled Jump. Uh. Nothing naughty by nature.
1: Andrew Penman is a founding member of which New Zealand musical band?
0: Andrew Penman.
1: Mm. Uh, oh, who? someone held up. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, your time is up. Um, I'm going to go through those answers for you. Um, you've only got one, but that's cool because oh. there's a few other people that only got one as well. Uh, Lord released pure heroin. Oh, yes. Um, the Little yeah, River course. Band, 1975. That's Australia. I Stay Out Too Late, Got Nothing on My Brain. That's what people say. That's Shake It Off from Taylor Swift.
4: Ah, oh, of course. Mick
1: Fleetwood plays drums and Fleetwood Mac. Um, Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where the wedding has been. She lives in a dream. There you go. Um, Now, this was going to be a tough one. Which band released the hit single entitled Jump in 1984? Now, the answer to this is the Pointer Sisters. Oh, I love the Pointer Sisters. And it's a brilliant track. The interesting thing is Van Halen also released Jump on their album 1984, but they released the single in 1983. So there you go. So so one. Oh, hey. That was just for my... uh, just for my pure cruel enjoyment. Um <laughs> what's coming up? What are you up to? What are you gonna do? Are you playing, are we writing, are we recording, are we being awesome somewhere?
0: Writing and recording is my main thing. Mm-hmm. Um there are some projects um that are in the planning stages. Just the similar stuff that um the stuff that's usually on my heart, which is creating spaces for um indigenous women to do their their art, be yeah. creative. Um have a stage. Mm-hmm. Opportunities kind of like I had. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. We've got one more track to play. What do you wanna what do you wanna play?
0: Um, I would like to play um a song by Asia, um and it's called Kawai. Uh
1: why this particular song?
0: Um, I think because I admire Asia's music. Um, I admire her creative craft. Mm-hmm. Um, She's a um, wahine Maori with children. And um, I, yeah, I enjoy the work that she's putting out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Billie Jean, I have loved having you on the show today. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: almost time for the track of the week but before i get to it i just want to talk about the go live festival happening 24th of july there is a veritable cornucopia of artists There's also going to be a series of industry talks held at the town hall earlier in the day featuring none other than friend of the show greg haver moderating a session on production i spoke to greg before christmas about some of his production experiences and this may give you a taster of what you'll hear during the go live festival
5: had a really interesting conversation at the producer series last year. We had a little sort of um, public seminar with myself, uh, Joel Little, and Mark Rankin. Uh, Mark, would, he, was, he, he was Paul Epworth's engineer for a long time. He produced Queens of the Stone Age. And, mm. Yeah, And it was a really interesting chat because Mark and Joel know each other because Mark's mixed, mixed a lot of stuff for Joel. And and uh, and Mark was telling this great story about rolling in the deep. And he, he was on the writing session with Paul Epworth and Adele, just the three of them in a room, a little tiny room in London. And like, stamping on the floor for drums, acoustic guitar, you know. And so they're, they're writing, and, and Adele's sitting there with a the dog on her lap. And uh, she says, I think I've got an idea for a vocal. She's written some lyrics out. She's a dog sitting on her lap, pulls this, like, cheap road mic across, sings this vocal, right?
2: could have had it all, She played it with the beating.
5: It's like cool wow that is really good So she went to LA to record with like Rick Rubin yeah. and a load of you know Pino Paladino and a lot of great session guys And they 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 we recorded rolling in the team And she was like I prefer the original version that we did so they basically it took the original version they did in the writing room Added some drums, you know, tarted up a few things, but the vocal on "Rolling in the Deep" is the one with her with the dog on her lap into a Rode mic. So it's not; it's always about the moment. Then Joel pointed out, "Oh, we used like a cheap Rode mic for Royals as well." It's like so, like, like, look. Here's an example to all of you engineers and producers in the room in the seminar. It's like it's not about the expensive microphone. It's not about the gear. It's about the performer. It's about the moment. It's about all these things. Like, so here are two massive records two of the biggest records in the world in their time that were done on a cheap Rode microphone. You've got to really drill down into what the process is about and it's not about the best bit of gear. It's not about sort of like the best studios. It's just about, you know, where are you in that sort of moment and you can have the best musicians in the world. It doesn't make the song any better. It's a fine lesson to learn for young
1: producers. That was Greg Haver. Also at Go Live will be the band Marsha. I've just discovered them and I'm very glad I did. I can't help but draw comparisons with Block Party and maybe a little bit of The Cure. Now you can see Marsha and a whole heap of other great bands for about 10 bucks on the 24th of July at the Christchurch Town Hall Complex. Just head to tickatech.co.nz and search for Go Live. Anyway, you'll be able to hear Marsha and I'm sure they'll play their awesome track Last Night. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show and thanks also to Billie Jean Zeta for being my guest. Head to gardenofsound.nz and click on Billie Jean's image on the front page. And from there, you can find out more about what she's up to. Remember, too, to get your tickets to the Go Live Festival, happening the 24th of July. It's about $10 plus booking fee, which is pretty amazing. There's going to be some fantastic acts there. Ashy, Emma Dilemma, Dolphin Friendly. We've got Pumpkinhead reforming for the gig. We've got Marsha, who he just played before. There's heaps and heaps and heaps of acts. And, of course, there's industry talks earlier in the day. Just head to ticketech.co.nz.com and get your tickets now huge thanks also to our show sponsor Mini Quiz you can find out more at m-i-n-i-q-w-i-z I'm Ian Turner I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound same time next week in the meantime keep well keep listening and keep playing the no ra